Let's spend some time in prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, wow, we're here today because we're so thankful to have you as our heavenly Father. Jesus, we're here. It's great to have a big brother. Holy Spirit, we're here because you're working in our lives and we're here to worship you. Hallowed be your name in our worship today, in our preaching and singing and giving. May your name be treated as holy. And as we go out this week to school and to work and to play, may we lift up your name. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. King Jesus, may we see you today and want to follow you more fully this week in all that we do. King Jesus, we pray that the gospel of the kingdom would be preached in the whole world so that all could know you. And King Jesus, we look forward to that day when you come back and your kingdom comes in all of its fullness. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Holy Spirit, change our hearts that we would want to do God's will, that we would be delightfully and distinctly different from the people around us who don't know you, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, beginning with us and spreading to others. Give us this day our daily bread. You know our financial needs as a church. We pray you would meet our needs, and as individuals that you would meet our needs, financial and physical. We are a needy people. Oh, in our relational needs, we pray that you would forgive us our debt. As we forgive our debtors, Lord, may we take a moment and, and confess our sins and experience forgiveness from you. And as you have forgiven us so much, may we, may we forgive those that have wronged us. And Lord, our spiritual needs, we pray that you would keep us from temptation, that you would deliver us from evil, uh, deliver us from the evil within us, our flesh and the evil around us in the world, and deliver us from the evil above us and the evil one. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Every week in this series, I've asked for a helper, so... Someone going to help me out, not leave me up here hanging. Would someone come up here and just answer a couple of questions for me? Come on. Someone new, someone who hasn't done this. Come on, Bob. Be, this will be great. Come on up. Thank you, Bob. Let's welcome Bob here. It's going to be real easy. So, first of all, tell us who you are. Bob McGuire. Bob McGuire. Okay, now, Bob, what's your favorite movie? I'll make it. What's a movie you like? Chariots of Fire, maybe. Chariots of Fire. Ooh, that's a good movie. Why do you like that movie? Uh, the struggle to think about who we are and where we're going. Mm, what a great movie. One more question. At our church, we're doing a little research. And so, Bob, what's wrong with our world? Mm. I often think about that. Don and I think about it. And I know that, like the person that answered you last week, a lot of it is me. <laughs> but a lot of it is we do have an enemy. Mm. An enemy that can't be seen, but is as real as the breath we breathe. 
and we need to be prepared to do battle with that enemy, enemy mm. who seeks to uh, hurt God and everything that God wants. Wow, that's a great answer. Let's thank Bob so much for his answer, and that's certainly what we learned about last week, that we do have an enemy and how he tempted our first parents and they sinned, and we learned about the fall and how the fall wrecked everything, right? So... Um, that's a question important for you to, to be able to, you know, if someone asks you what's wrong with our world, what would you say? And again, if you ask me, Smiley, what's wrong with our world? I would say the fall. And the fall has wrecked everything. And I know some of you say, well, Smiley, that's what you said last week. Did you forget? No, I didn't forget. But sometimes I think we need to hear things over and over and over again before it really begins to sink into us. And that's why we're coming back this week and we're going to focus on the same thing that we focused last week. We're going to focus on the fall because it wrecked everything and sometimes we don't quite think through what that means. If you're new here, we're doing a series called One Story. We're looking at the one story of the Bible. The Bible is one story from beginning to end. It's, it's called the gospel and uh, there's two goals in this series. The first goal is I want you to know and to be able to confidently share the one story of the Bible. I don't want me to be the only one. I want you to be able to. That's why we're spending a, a many, many weeks here. And what we've learned is there's four chapters in the, in the one story. There's creation and fall and redemption and consummation. And <clears throat> chapter one, creation deals with where did everything come from? And so we've learned that God created everything from nothing and it was very good. And then chapter two, the fall deals with well, what went wrong? Everybody knows that our world is broken, but why is it broken? What's wrong with it? And so we're spending two weeks exploring how the fall wrecked everything. And then people ask the question, well, how do we fix it? How do we fix it? That's chapter three, that we can't fix it, but Jesus can. And then people ask the question, well, where is history headed? How is history going to end? And that's chapter four, consummation. Jesus is coming back and he's going to make all things new. So that's what we're learning, because it's very important that you not only know, but you're able to share that story with others. And we're also developing a skill. Every week we're learning to develop the skill of asking questions to open up gospel conversations. Um, as I've been spending time with Jesus, I, I'm just overwhelmed by how many times he asks questions, and it's such a good tool for us to develop as well. So that's what we're doing if you have your Bible, turn with me to Romans chapter 8, and we'll explore a little bit more how the fall wrecked everything. Many people believe that Romans 8 is the greatest chapter in the Bible. Uh, if you love theology, it, it re really would be perhaps the greatest chapter in the Bible. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and we'll start reading in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Two words, suffering, glory. Suffering now. Glory to come. Suffering now. Glory to come. Paul knew about suffering, didn't he? Boy, shipwrecked and beaten, and he knew suffering, but he also knew glory. He had been caught up and had a chance to see what heaven would be like. I believe that we struggle to believe the bad news and the good news of the Bible. 
of the gospel. We struggle to believe the bad news, how much suffering there is in this world. And that the fall wrecked everything, and that's why there is so much suffering. There is suffering now. And I believe we struggle to believe the good news of the gospel, how glorious the future is that Jesus has in store for us. And so we're going to learn today that the fall wrecked everything. That's why there's suffering. We are broken people living in a broken world. There is much suffering, and it's important for us to understand that Christians are not immune to suffering. Some Christians have this idea that Christians are immune. No, we are broken people, and we live in a broken world. We are not immune to suffering. So, um, let's first explore how the fall wrecked everything the, and, and why there's suffering in the world. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Creation didn't sin. Man sinned, and yet the fall wrecked creation, and creation longs for chapter 4 for consummation to be set free from the effects of sin. For we know that the whole creation groans. Do you ever hear creation groaning? For the whole creation groans and suffers the pain of childbirth together until now. And so last week we learned, uh, like Bob shared, we have an enemy who tempted our first parents. And our first parents, they sinned against God. And when Adam and Eve sinned, the fall wrecked everything. They were not content to be made in God's image. They were not content to walk with God in paradise. They wanted to be God. And so they sinned against God, and that fall wrecked everything. Everything and everyone. So, why is there suffering in this world? Because we are broken people. And what does that mean that we are broken people? It means that we are sinners. And we are sinners both by nature and by choice. That means we inherited from our parents a sinful nature, and we have all perfected our own style of sinning against God. Let me show you the impact of the fall on people. God made us in his image, but by the time we get to chapter 6 of Genesis, the fall has happened, the first murders happened, we get to Genesis chapter 6, right before the flood. Listen to this. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth. Did you hear that? The wickedness of man was great on the earth. Now listen to this. And that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Sometimes we're shocked by the evil we see people do, right? But, but the Bible says what? And sometimes the Bible wants to get a point. Do you get the point here? Every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Do you think the Bible's trying to make a point? 
Listen, the fall wrecked mankind, and, and um, we are sinners both by birth and by choice. And so, so God, God's justice falls on the earth, and there's a flood, and God's grace is extended, and, and Noah, Noah and his family are saved through the flood. And so do you think the flood changed the human heart? Do you think after the flood, do you think that hearts were changed? So this catastrophic flood that, that kills everyone on the earth except for Noah and his family, and we pick back up in the one story in chapter 8, verse 21, after the flood, the Lord God smelled the soothing aroma, and the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. We are born sinners, and, and then we sin. Now, parents, I mean, can we talk? Do, do you have to teach your kids to be selfish? Do you have to teach your kids to say, no! Do you have to teach your kids to say, mine! No, what? It, it comes, right? Oh, Listen, the fall wrecked us. We are broken people, sinners by birth and by choice. We, we come a little later in the, the Bible and we read in Je Jeremiah 17, verse 9, The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Matter of fact, let's read this together, okay? The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? You know what that means? It's saying, as bad as Smiley looks on the outside, what? It's, he's far worse, what? On the inside. Oh, man, he's far worse. And, it, and it's true, isn't it? I mean, I think all of us are here. We're afraid the people around us might know some of the things we thought and said this week, right? And, and how much of our culture says what? How much of our culture says, do what your heart says, right? Isn't that what we're encouraged? And yet the Bible says the fall wrecked everything, that the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Why are we surprised by what we see in the world when we read the Bible and see what it says about our nature? So then we come to Jesus. Uh, we come to Jesus in the, in the New Testament, and the religious people there at that time were very concerned about what they ate. They were very concerned about what they ate. Do you know anybody who's really concerned about what they eat? And um, Jesus says, it's not what goes into a man that defiles the man. It's what comes out of our mouth. Um, Jesus picks up the story, and he was saying, that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within... Out of the heart proceed the evil thoughts. I want you to, to understand this. The gospel says the problem's inside of us. It comes from within. The solution is outside of us, a Savior. Our culture says the problem is outside of us. And the solution is inside of us. For from within, out of the heart of man proceed the evil thoughts, fornication, thefts, murder. Murders. We, um, we have such a violent country, don't we? You ever wonder why? 
we hear about gun violence and, and, and guns are used, but you know what it is? It's people violence, isn't it? It's people murdering people. In small group last week, we read about the first family on earth, right? The first family, long before guns, Cain murdered Abel, right? It comes from within. Um, I, I grew up in St. Augustine and I spent my whole youth tormenting tourists. I did. I don't do tourist attractions. I married my wife in South Florida. I brought her back. She took our kids to visit all the tourist attractions. They went to the old jail many, many years ago. I don't know if it's still there, but they had a display of all the different items that people use to murder one another. Oh, listen, evil comes from within. Out of the heart come murders adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. If you ask me, Smiley, why are you a Christian? One of the reasons I'm a Christian is because the Bible explains the world I live in. It's true. I've taught you before that Jesus in the Bible is the standard of truth. It's the standard of truth, but the evidence of truth is, does the Bible fit the world we live in? So let me ask you, if we look at human history, if we look at human history, is there any evidence in human history that people are sinful? Is there any evidence? Isn't it one long, sad story of war? and domestic violence and racism and greed, isn't it? Here's another question. Have we improved over time? Have we? As we look around the world today, is there any evidence in the world today that we're sinners? Is there? Yes, the Bible explains it. The fall wrecked everything, including us. How about in our own lives? Is there any evidence in our own lives that we're sinners? Why is it so hard to do what is right? Why is it so easy to do what is wrong? Because we are broken people. We're all broken people. And the potential for any sin that anyone has ever done lies inside of all of us. Why is there suffering in the world? Because we are broken people. And we live in a broken world. We live in a broken world. The world we live in is not the world as God created it. It's broken. The whole world has been wrecked by sin. Isn't that what we read? Isn't that what we read? For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption from the freedom, uh, into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. So the fall wrecked everything, and animals don't fulfill their God-given purpose. They devour one another. And listen, childbirth is painful, and marriage is challenging, and work is futile, and the very ground was cursed. And didn't we see that this week? 
the world God created didn't have hurricanes. The world wrecked by sin does. We look around the world and the world is a dangerous place. There are hurricanes and tornadoes and there's, there's sinkholes. And, and listen, this was not a part of the world as it was made. It is the result of sin. The bad news of the gospel is the world is way more broken than we imagine, and we are too. One little good news? Let's turn the corner a little bit, okay? Remember back in verse 18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present world, there is suffering in broken people in a broken world. Oh, but listen to this. It's not worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed to us. There is suffering now, and one of the things that gets us through that is to know, to know what's coming. And so we read, And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. Do you ever just long for everything to be made right? For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. Listen, there, Jesus has things in store for us that we can't even imagine. So, let me share some good news with you. If, if you ask me my favorite Bible verse... That would be hard. It would be almost like, what's your favorite kind of ice cream? Because it would be like, what did I eat last? But certainly one of my favorite Bible verses is Colossians 1.27. Listen to this. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. So a mystery in the Bible is something hidden until God reveals it. And when he reveals it, he reveals it to everyone. Listen to this. To whom God willed to make known what, are, what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Our hope is not ourselves. Our hope is not that we're going to elect a person who's going to solve all of our problems. Christ in you. That's our hope. Christ in you. The hope of glory. The hope that something better is coming. That's why I love to talk about Jesus. <laughs> Don't you? We proclaim him, Jesus, admonishing every man and, and teaching every man that we may present every man complete in Christ. So let me, let me lay out before you what it means that Christ is in you, the hope of glory, okay? Uh, let's start with, with John 3, 16 where Jesus said, for God so loved the world. Bad news? Um, who does he love? The world. God loves broken people who live in a broken world. Listen, we are sinners by birth. We are sinners by choice. Every one of us has committed crime after crime after crime against God, and we're in big trouble. We deserve hell. We deserve God's wrath. But do you hear what it said, the good news? 
It's not just that God loved the world. It's that for God so loved the world. What's the most precious thing you have? You know what he gave for you and me? He gave what was most precious to him, his son. You know what Jesus gave? He gave himself for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God the son put on flesh, came to earth, into a broken world filled with broken people, lived a perfect life, and then died on the cross for our sins and rose. Why? So that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but, but have eternal life. So that broken people could be put back together. So that broken people could live forever in a place that's no longer broken. Jesus offers us forgiveness for our sins. He offers us the opportunity to do life with him and for him, and to do eternity with him and for him. And what does he ask of us that we would believe in him? that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever believed in Jesus? Well, Smiley, what does that mean? And we love to say it's the simplest ABC where we admit and believe and commit. Where we admit to Jesus that we're sinners. And if you haven't, won't you to date Jesus? I've sinned against you, and, and I'm sorry. I mean, I'm a broken person living in a broken world. I'm a sinner. I am. And then we believe, Jesus, I believe that, that you died on the cross for my sins. There's no other way that, that I could be saved but you. I believe that. And then we commit to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Jesus, come in and, and forgive me and, and give me eternal life. And he will. And I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. And if you will, he will. And if you have, I want you to hear what it says that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life begins the moment we put our faith in Christ. It doesn't begin when we die. Jesus moves into us, no longer separated with God. We begin to do life with Jesus. And so I want you to know that eternal life is good now in what we might call the present state. It gets better in heaven, which is really the intermediate state, but it's best in the, in the final state of things. So let me walk you through that. When we believe in Jesus, Jesus moves into us, Christ in you, the hope of glory, and we begin eternal life, and it's good now. Isn't that what we were reading? In verse 23, and not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit. We're experiencing that. Now we're still broken people. We're still living in a broken world. But we're doing life with Jesus as broken people in a broken world. And not only are we forgiven, but we're given the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is given to us to show us the beauty of Christ so that we might follow him. And the Holy Spirit is forming Christ in us. We have a foretaste of the glory to come now because Christ lives in us. The Holy Spirit gives us a purpose and reminds us we're here for others, and so he empowers us to share the gospel. He brings purpose into our life. Listen, eternal life is good now in the present state because we're doing life with Jesus and for Jesus. What happens when we die? It gets better. It gets better. Well, what happens to a Christian when they die? When a Christian dies, their body stays here. They go immediately to be with Jesus. And you say, well, how do you know that? You know the story, right, of Jesus on the cross? 
Jesus is on the cross. There's two criminals with him, right? You know the story, right? And, and both the criminals, they're, they're both hurling abuses at Jesus, you know, save others, save us, you know. Uh, they're, they're hurling abuses until one of them thinks, I'm about to die. Maybe I should prepare for eternity. And so he admits his sin, right? Admit, right? He says, Jesus, or he says, listen, we're getting what we deserve. This man has done nothing wrong. So he admits his sin. He believes in Jesus. And then he says, Jesus, remember me when you come. And he commits himself to Jesus. And, and remember what Jesus said? Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. That, that verse had three different moments in my life. The first moment was when I realized today. The moment a believer dies, they go to be with Jesus immediately. So that was the first thing. Thank you, Jesus. We don't have to fear death. The moment we die, we go to be with him. Now, the second great revelation was, where do we go? Where? To paradise. You see, eternal life is good now, but when we die, we go to paradise. Are we in paradise? So, listen, it gets better. We go to paradise. But then, then the last wow of the verse is what's the best thing about paradise? What? Jesus is there. And so the moment we die, we go to be with the one that we know by faith now and we will know by sight then. So listen, eternal life is good now. When we die, it's better, but that's the intermediate state, the final state. The final state that Christians often don't think about, the final state is Jesus is going to come to earth. We'll get there in chapter 4, consummation. Jesus is coming back, and when he comes back, listen to what's going to happen. And not only this, but we ourselves... Uh, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption of sons, the redemption of our body. When Jesus comes back, our bodies are going to be raised from the dead. Our bodies are going to be raised from the dead and made new. And you say, well, how do you know? Because one day, Jesus always goes first. One day, a dead man got up and walked out of the tomb and said, we would too. The Bible says he's the first fruits from the dead, right? So if he's the first fruits, what does that mean? He's not the last, that we will rise. So, so listen, the way we're going to spend eternity, the glory to be revealed to us is our bodies are going to be raised up. And then, and then heaven, which is where God is, is going to come to earth. And, and the curse on all of God's creation will be reversed. And the earth will once again be the beautiful place God meant it to be. And God will walk with us in paradise again on earth. You ever think about that? <laughs> think about animals that we're not afraid of, but we can enjoy. Uh, this week, someone sent me a video of dolphins, a dolphin show in Israel. And probably some animal rights people won't, wouldn't like it, think that it's demeaning to the dolphins. But it was such a fascinating video. The, these dolphins, and, and, and I was talking to them, and listen, they were having a good time because they were doing these tricks. They were showing off. And then the best of all, they had a little girl about five years old, and she's in a raft, and one dolphin is pulling her across the pond while another dolphin is doing private tricks for her. 
And when this little girl gets out of the raft, you know what she does? The two dolphins come up and she kisses both of them. Do you know what the Bible says? One day a child will lead a wolf. And one day a child will lead and lay on a lion. And one day a child will play with a snake and not be bitten. Wouldn't it be great to be a part of a beautiful earth where everything sad and broken is untrue and everything beautiful will be there? Listen, will be new animals will will display the purpose God made them for to display his glory and not devour one another or people. Oh, and we'll do the things we do now. We'll work and eat and play, but never grow old and never get sick and never die. Can I tell you something? I did a funeral yesterday, and I hate death. And one of the greatest things the Bible says is there will be no more tears and there will be no more death. Don't you long for that place? Isn't that what we long for? That's what God made us for. And and that's why we're learning the story. We're learning the one story of the Bible. And we're learning that because when we understand that, we'll understand the world we live in and be able to enjoy it more because we'll understand that we're broken people. So we're not surprised when people disappoint us. We're not surprised when our, when our spouse or our parents or our pastor disappoint us because we're broken people. And we're not surprised when we disappoint others either because we're broken people. And we're not surprised. We're not surprised when childbirth is painful. We're not surprised when work is frustrating. We're not surprised when there's crying. We're not surprised when we get a bad report from the doctor because we are broken people living in a broken world, suffering now, glory to come. Listen, we're learning the story so that we can share the story with others. Do you ever wonder why history goes on? With so much suffering in the world, do you ever just ask the question, why does history go on? Why does God allow so much suffering? And did you know the Bible has the answer for that, did you? Why does Jesus delay his return? The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish. Jesus lets his people suffer to give lost people the opportunity to hear the gospel and be saved. Perhaps he's delayed his return so that you would believe in him today, or there's someone we love, and we've been meaning to go and share Christ with them, and we haven't. We need to go and share. That's why Jesus delays his return. And that's why we're doing this series. I want to equip you to know and to be able to confidently share the one story of the Bible because that's why history goes on that we would. And that's why I'm trying to equip you to develop the skill of asking questions to help open up gospel conversations. And so I want you to know that the fall wrecked everything. 
And um, can we talk? Is that okay? For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Life is hard. Marriage is hard. Parenting is hard. Being parenting is hard. There are so many days where I'm absolutely overwhelmed by my failures as a husband, as a father, as a pastor. You know what I'm really good at? Disappointing people. I didn't get married or become a parent or to be a pastor to disappoint people, but I am so good at that. And there are so many days it is just hard to get out of bed. And if my failures won't, weren't enough, I'm a pastor, and I deal with suffering and hurt and pain all the time. And so often it is absolutely overwhelming. And what do I do? I preach the gospel to myself because no one needs it more than I do. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I preach it to myself over and over again. And then I find as well that I preach it to others because every day of my life I'm with suffering people, aren't you? Man, life is hard and marriage is hard and ministry is hard and working is hard and I have chances to share with others. Listen, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And I know many of you, man, it's hard. Don't give up. Don't give up. Pray for me that I won't give up, and I'll pray for you that you won't give up. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So there it is. That's what we learned, right? We learned about suffering now because the fall wrecked everything. But we also learned what? About the glory to come, didn't we? So here's what I want you to do this week. I, I want you to ask someone a question. I want you to ask someone the question, what's wrong with our world? Now, I, every week I bring someone up. Bob came up, and I showed you it's not that hard to do. Just ask. Now, you're so worried about, don't worry about what they're, there's not a right or wrong answer. You're just asking them. You're starting a conversation. Listen to them. And if they happen to ask you back, if they happen to ask you back what is wrong with the world, you know what to say, right? The fall wrecked everything. They might follow that up. Oh, well, what do you mean about that? Well, I mean, we're broken people living in a broken world. Well, if we're broken people living in a broken world, how do we fix it? Tell them, will you? On your way out, just pick up a Do You Know booklet and just read it to them. You can read it. You can share with them, Jesus is God who became a man who died on the cross for our sins and rose and offers us eternal life. <laughs> Invite them. Invite them to put their trust in Christ. You'll be amazed to see the power is in the gospel and not in you. You can do it. You can do it. So, there it is. Chapter 2 
The fall wrecked everything. And listen, so as we go out this week, let's just ask someone the question, okay? What is wrong with our world? And when we ask the question, let's see what God will do. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for coming into this world to save broken people living in a broken world. Thank you. Thank you for living and dying and and rising. And and listen, if you're here today and, and you've never believed in Jesus, won't you? Won't you admit to him, Jesus, I've I've sinned against you and I'm sorry? And and won't you believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose? And won't you commit to him, Jesus, I want you to come in and and be my Savior and, and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Listen, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark it on your card? We love to celebrate with you. Tell someone it'll make Jesus more real to you. He said, whoever believes shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus, I pray for those of us who who know you that this week we would preach the gospel to ourselves over and over again. Good, better, best, suffering now, glory to come. Suffering now, glory to come. And Lord, I pray as we go out this week and live in a broken world, that that we would ask others, what's wrong with our world? What's wrong with our world? And Lord, that you would open up an opportunity for many of us to share the story we've been learning. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.